Hey, this is Brad Shoemaker of GiantBomb.com. Uh, I got a chance to play a couple of hours of Doom Eternal last week, uh, and in the midst of all that, I also got a chance to uh, sit down with the uh, game director, Hugo Martin of id Software, uh, who's uh, always an affable, entertaining guy. And uh, we started chatting kind of before I hit record, so uh, uh, what you're about to hear is kind of a conversation already in progress. But uh, yeah, here's uh, here's just a little chat about the state of Doom Eternal uh, with uh, just a couple months to go until release enjoy yeah that the, just a, like that particular rectatron spot where you you were uh, having a bit of trouble like that's a perfect example of the type of incidental combat situations that we created just to challenge the player so that way the the where you're thinking the most and and really having to utilize your skills and that you're just as engaged as you are in the large arenas you know um we purposely put him there, and that's kind of a test to see how good are you at taking out his weak points. Because you're kind of exposed there. You're There's exposed, and he's exposed too. If, yeah. if if you take out his weak point, but you, he, we treat him like a turret there, and you basically have to take out that right. His because otherwise he'll just maul you. Does he have some kind of like cover countermeasure? Was I seemed like he was lobbing something over the thing yeah, I was so hiding behind. When you when you um, take out his main gun, which is far more devastating than his other attack. Um, he switches to his uh, grenades. He can deploy grenades, okay. which he does throughout. Yeah, but those are far less effective. You know, now unless those you're also- hiding behind a wall like I was. So, a couple lessons there too is it's like I was actually pr- like I root for the AI when people are are playing <laughs> Gee, kind of not I want to say the wrong way. You're just learning, yeah. right? So what you were doing in that instance is standing still and not being aggressive. You started to play like a cover shooter. And it's more, at times, it's like, yes, keep your distance when you're taking out his weak point. But then he was doing his job, which was like, oh, you're going to stand behind that thing where I'm going to cover it with grenades. I'm flush it and then out. eventually yeah. you, you, you got aggressive again. So when you won, it was like watching you. Again, we, we, we call these like frustration bumpers. And they funnel you into what we call the fun zone. Um, you were hitting that frustration bumper but the fun zone is moving, being aggressive, you know, weapon switching, taking out weak points, you know, using the space. And that's exactly what you had to do to overcome that encounter. And you walk out of that having learned something that you then carry into the next one. It's like, okay, I can't hang back behind a rock because the AI have an answer for that. Right. And because standing, standing still in Doom is not only death, but honestly, it's boring. So we don't want you – like we want you to trust that as you bang against those frustration points, what we're doing, the player's like a pinball – we're going to funnel you into a style of play that we're betting you're going to enjoy. And within that, there's tons of opportunity for creativity, different play styles. You happen to be leaning on the sticky bomb. Other people like myself use the horoscope. You know, I don't have to necessarily solve, like the game is not completely on rails, but I don't think you have to worry about that. You know, I keep referencing basketball because it's not like these things don't necessarily apply to just like specific games or genres of games, all successful games, chess, basketball, Fallout, Destiny, Fortnite, you know, the From Software games, they have a specific set of rules and they're they're betting that like, listen, if you play the way we want you to play, I promise you, you'll have fun. Sure. You know, in, in Fallout, I might, I always do this. I'll like test to see if I can get away with this. I'll get my first bolt rifle and just walk off into the world and try to beat the game. It doesn't really work that way. Like, you know, very quickly, Todd and his team will hold up a hand and be like, sorry, buddy. Uh, go make alliances. Go talk to that right. NPC guy you ignored. 
progress your player. You like, know. unless you want to be the guy who makes the headline on Kotaku, like, this guy beat Fallout yeah. with just a bull rifle. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So it's but like, nobody, no, most people don't want to do that. So then I die, and I hit that frustration point, and I'm funneled into playing the game the right way. I go talk to that NPC. I start, you know, gathering resources and leveling up my character, and I enter into the RPG experience that he wanted me to be in. And it's fun. So yeah, I the actually, game was more fun. Sure. So I ran out of ammo completely on that fight. But yeah. You still only have the first two weapons at that point, and I, at a point... I didn't have enough. I guess. I guess if you have enough chainsaw fuel, you can chainsaw that guy. But I didn't even have enough of that, so I just kind of like bobbed and weaved for a while, and then a couple more imps popped up. Are yeah. you guys? Are you guys like fudging it around the edges? Like, oh, this guy clearly needs ammo. We're going to spawn a couple imps on the side. Or? Yeah, there is a system in place yeah. to allow you to regain resources. In some places, to be honest, again, we allow you to just kind of die at that point because you need to manage the fight okay. accordingly. And when you start again, I think. People are smart about like how they enter into a fight, but for the most part, we always want you to be able to get back what you need from fodder. Fodder are there to be farmed. Sure. <laughs> also, it, it it was cool to watch because I saw that, and like the the number one thing you started doing was moving. Mm-hmm. Like you immediately started scouring the environment, and then you found ammo and you found different things. Then so it's like just we are doing a lot behind the scenes to funnel you into. The fun zone is a corny name, but it kind of accurately applies. Everybody wants to be in the fun zone. Yeah, so it's like to watch you get corralled and and kind of have to break quietly out. pushed into yeah. a play style that we know is going to be enjoyable. Is that the is that the thinking behind the? There's kind of like this just day glow signposting on all the power ups. Is that is that you just want it to be readable at a split second? Be honestly, what we learned, yes, is that Doom is like being in a in a Lamborghini racing around a track. <laughs> if you have something to tell me. You got to tell me fast and right. loud. Like the, the lizard brain needs to absorb totally. the information, right? Like it's like don't be subtle. Like the last thing, at one point we had it where a lot of the information was to be found in the dossier, and it is in there. Like if you go into the bestiary, you can also get a lot of tips on how to beat the enemies. You'll see that later. But that, like taking a game like Horizon Zero Dawn, the tone of that game, one of my favorite games, um, walking around with a guidebook and like you know the flipping through the pages and figuring out you know like I'm like I'm some a nature show host. That was what that game was about, you know, hiding behind trees, seeing a, a dinosaur, a robot dinosaur in the distance, looking through my bestiary, figuring out what weapon I need. That's not Doom. <laughs> I mean, Doom is like, I'm flying at that demon doing 200 miles an hour. You got something yeah, got, to say? Got, Tell me now. Got to make a decision before yeah. I hit the ground. Totally. Yeah. What's one thing coming out of the first game that you wish you guys had been able to do better? Oh, everything. <laughs> um, it drives everything that I'm saying now, you know. Um, what we found, you know, don't don't believe your your best press, your worst press. Kind of stay in the middle. Objectively, uh, for every ten that Giant Bomb gave us, um, there was uh, I wouldn't say for everyone, but there were a couple of people who gave us sevens. And and for every five people on Reddit who say it's their favorite first person shooter, blah blah blah, there's somebody who says it's kind of repetitive, and I I don't really like it that much. I don't get what everybody's saying. Uh, and we really looked into that, you know. In particular, there was a certain press outlet that had footage out there of them playing the game not too well. And honestly, that's not their problem. Like, you can't make a game that's only for great players. We're not making that kind of game. Um, is I think it was more the game's fault that it allowed him to play that way. That the fact that there wasn't bumpers in place to corral that player and kill him or her um, because they were succeeding. They were running around with the pistol, missing every shot, playing horribly. They weren't switching weapons. They weren't doing anything that made Doom 2016 fun. Um, and they were succeeding, and that was the problem, you know? And we had to look at ourselves and, and objectively look at what we do. I mean, we have to be our harshest critic, you know? Um, if you were really good at shooters or even an average to good player, you naturally fell into the fun zone of Doom 2016. We saw it. People, oh, my God, I feel this. Bruce Lee on a skateboard with a shotgun. This feels great. Glory kills. And, and they loved 
there, there was enough new there that um, being aggressive, just resources not refilling on their own, having to take the fight to the enemy, that, that really carried us. But a lot of players who weren't skilled, so skilled players fell into a play style that I think they was enjoyable and was the experience we designed. And that got us nines and tens, you know. But for the sevens and eights, um, I think it was because maybe they weren't that great at the game and they actually fell into a play style that we did not account for, you know, like, oh, geez, you can kind of beat the whole game with the super shotgun. And if you master that thing, you're pretty much unstoppable. So why would you weapon switch? And somebody over there, I'm watching the footage because it's fun, you know, like, and, and actually it's more effective to play the right way, but it's, you can still succeed playing in a very, in a way that is extremely repetitive. So we just, and, and I actually used my son also as like a test case where I would film him playing and um, show like, look, he's falling into that play style because it's efficient and he's not putting himself at risk. And when we looked at other games, a lot of what I say in the presentation, what I said in the beginning of this conversation was born out of that. It was like, you know, um, good games, not just video games, but all games. Um, there is no footage available or no example of people playing a well-balanced game incorrectly and succeeding. There's no uh, team in basketball who wins, who doesn't rebound and do what they're supposed to do. You know, now within that, there's all kinds of creativity and, and play styles that, that emerge, but like you have to play chess the right way. That's not negotiable. You know, certain pieces only move a certain way and, and you can't get around that. Um, nobody beats a person in chess using, you know, just a single pawn. So it was like kind of reanalyzing like, well, what, did it, what is it to make a well-balanced action game? Like, how do we do this even better? And that's where we got all this stuff from. You know, like I do love the analogy that like we are leveling you up. You're earning your belts as you go, stacking skills on top of one another, mastering them, moving on to the next one. And I think this time around, whether you're playing on easy or you know, default or ultra violence or nightmare, everybody's going to be having the same exact type of experience because we've, it's a much tighter experience. The days of going around and shooting people with a shotgun in the face. And that's the answer to everything. Those are over. Wait till you meet the mancubus and try to do that to him. Like he's, he's got quite the answer. Um, I also think the obvious stuff of like, we ran out of AI in the late game, uh, experience and it did get repetitive as a result. Um, that's changed. We have many new AI in the game. We were able to make the game engaging from beginning to end. That was a huge point of focus for us. I mean, I think if you love the Doom combat, then the third act of Doom 2016 was fine because it was just more of what you wanted and what you mastered. But um, we have we made sure that we were we ran out of locations to take you to. It was Earth, Mars, you know, Mars, Hell, Mars, Hell. Like this time, we're going to go to crazy places, and you see more in the first three levels of Doom Eternal than you see in the entirety of Doom 2016. You will see more in the last three levels than you see in the entirety of Doom 2016, and it'll be nothing you've seen in the first levels. We're going to take you to new locations right up to the end. So the scale of game was a big area of improvement. Um, then also, the story is just more of what players liked and wanted. I think you know a lot of the stuff that you guys responded to uh, was also... For every great codex entry, there was another one that was just kind of stale and normal. So, again, a case of, like, not everybody having the same experience. Oh, my God, the codex was so funny. You're self-aware. They said all this funny stuff. Then other people read it, and they're like, really? Because a lot of the stuff wasn't like that, you know? So it was kind of chip away the, the stuff that people didn't enjoy as much and steering it to the stuff that they did. Um, in particular, also, the biggest thing that you notice, and the Arachnatron encounter is a perfect example of this, is that 
the game is just as engaging um, outside of the arenas as it is inside the arenas. That was a huge point of focus for us. Um, the levels uh, can challenge you now and, and are just as engaging to solve some of the traversal puzzles as it is to do the combat. And then we combine the two. The scope of the levels has expanded tremendously because we've given the player a lot more tools. And we did it so we could expand the levels. I think the game is overall even more self-aware. I think it's even more Doom than the last one. You know, like Doom knows that it's like a Saturday morning cartoon and it steers into that. Uh, it's not even, there's probably too much Doom 3 in Doom 2016. And I don't mean that in too much of a negative way. I love Doom 3, but like a little bit more horror, a little bit more like fiery cinematic, uh, especially when you look at our E3 demo from, from uh, 2016. Um, this time across the board, it's just embracing being a video game. And when I say that, it's like we're letting go of even attempting to make anything remotely like a cinematic immersive experience and just completely embracing being a video game, which means just steer into the contrivances that you see in video games that you can get away with in video games. Like, like, like the neon power-ups. Like yeah. the neon power-ups. We can have you dodging, uh, floating, rotating fire wheels in a yellow sludge pit, you know, as wall cannons nonsensically shoot at you, you know, doesn't like, have to make sense. And how come it doesn't kill the zombies because right. it's not good design if it does, <laughs> right. and it'll make for a better experience if it doesn't. So it's like, and that has made so we freed us up to make really engaging experiences from a level design perspective for the players. So yeah. across the board, I go on and on. <laughs> we we really just I think it's a better game in every respect. Um, so I feel like the first game, you know, it wasn't a reboot as such, but I feel like it was sort of made in tribute to, to the, the classics. I mean, Total. you had your Cyber Demon moment, you had your BFG moment, you had your, by the time you got to the Spider Demon uh, moment at the end, that was like literally the last item on my checklist. I was like, all right, if they do the Spider Demon at the end of this game, this is like, they hit all the notes, but... Total homage. Do you, do you, do you, yeah, totally. So like I was going to say, do you feel like, did you guys get your the homage out of your system with that game? Or do, no. you, do you still feel some reverence toward the kind of, let's say, source material that you we want to keep? standing on the shoulders of giants. Okay. Because, you, you know, like people, myself included, looked at the sequel and said, of course they're going to call that Doom 2 Hell on Earth, right? Yeah. Like, of course they're going to do that. Like, there's a, <laughs> there's a traffic light. That's where it is. It's Hell on Earth. But then you didn't. Uh, mostly but, because, but there's still that expectation, you know, of like, where's a double barrel shotgun? Like, are they going to do X, Y, and Z? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think if you look at the demons and the ones that we've already shown in the trailer, Archfile's back, Pain Elemental's back. So, and they look like the characters uh, from the original game. So, because they're really well-designed characters. I mean, um, we're working with a brand that is just really strong from the beginning. I think the work that those guys did was, uh, you know, cliche to say, but revolutionary. And, and it stood the test of time because it's good, you know. Those characters are really well-designed. And um, just uprising them up uh, for AAA gaming in 2020 is just, they look great. You know, like the Mancubus looks now more like the original Mancubus. And I think that's awesome. So it's a, still continuing to... To be an homage to those original games. I mean, that's what I want to see out of my my remakes when they when they pull a brand up back out of the '80s. That's part of my frustration with things like Star Wars. Now it's like I'm I'm not asking for the same thing again. I'm just saying understand what makes Star Wars Star Wars, and please work with the same ingredients. I mean, I think beyond just the surface stuff like the visuals, we work really hard to understand what made Doom feel awesome, and how do we reinterpret that. Uh, how do we extract those elements and then apply them to what we're doing now? So resource management is in the original Doom. I mean, if you look at the rocket launcher that we have in our game now, 
It's big. It's more powerful than it was in 2016. It's also more dangerous. It'll get you killed if you use it irresponsibly. And resources for it are limited, and ammo capacity is really limited. So every time I use it, I'm just thinking. It's like this really valuable tool of, like, when do I use it? And how? Oh, this just got, you know. And all of that just means that I'm more engaged, which is a word that we beat to death in the office, but it's all that matters. Um, that was in the original Doom. I mean, that's exactly how the rocket launcher was in the first game. That's something that actually took me into adulthood to really appreciate because when I got the shareware as a kid, I just immediately put the codes in, like God mode, everything, you know, I'm just going to like yeah. fuck shit up. And not until much later in life did I realize like this is a really taught like survival experience, you know? Totally. Where I'm constantly, you know, managing my resources and considering my options and uh, a thinking person's action game. I mean, that's really what we wanted to make. That's what the original was. Um, so, you know, when you guys announced the delay, I mean, the you know the standard publisher boilerplate went out of you know fine tuning and polish. But yeah, in your mind, like, a how did that feel? Like, or did you breathe a sigh of relief? And, and b like, what did you immediately set out to do once you had that, those extra few months to continue to polish everything that I said? I mean, when you're going to make an experience that's this tight, you know, and and really try to catch every possible exploit that an unplanned exploit and make sure that the experience is everything that it's supposed to be. Um, getting the extra time is just, you, you appreciate it so much. I mean, we couldn't be more grateful. Uh, making games in 2020, AAA games, is a pretty complex experience. I mean, there is a massive amount of stuff happening every second. Destructible demons, the parts, the behaviors. I mean, under the hood, just to get to, just to get the Arachnotron to know that you're hiding and steer into the grenades to ferret you out of what you were doing. I mean, the programmers are doing some major stuff to make that happen, awareness of the AI. So, and there's so many of them, and the world is so detailed, and it's, everything's at 60, buttery smooth, super crisp. Man, if, this, if Doom is, like, riding around in a Lamborghini and I'm, I'm doing 200 miles an hour, I can't have anything slip for more than a second. Because then I'll think it's the game that screwed me. So, just to get it to run, and, and that's just not us, that's everybody, you know, like... Um, I think it's just important to have the time to polish the game to where it needs to be. I mean, fans have expressed their frustration. They want to have a really polished game at ship. So um, that, that, that was really important to us, and we're just really grateful that we had the opportunity to do that across the board.